Welcome to another edition of Designated for Assignment. Josh Goldberg here for another week. And it is the final week before the trade deadline, which goes on Tuesday, August the 1st at 6 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, the Jays did make a deal and a uh, pretty sizable deal. And how about Ross Atkins uh, giving us some content other than uh, the series finale on Sunday, which I'll get to. You know, Jays had a good week. Uh, they went four and two, took two series from the Dodgers and the Angels. Uh, we'll get to that. But instead of talking about how they uh, went two for 16 with runners in scoring position, left 12 on base, which really continues a season-long unfortunate trend, and I would say reality, we're talking about a trade. And uh, Jordan Hicks is now a member of the Blue Jays, and uh, the price that was paid is a Sem reverse and Adam Kloffenstein. Reverse, I believe, is the number seven ranked prospect in the Blue Jays system. Kloffenstein not in the top 30, according to MLB Pipeline. So a relatively decent price. You're giving up a top 10 prospect. A starting pitcher who's had uh, some success, especially this season, for a rental reliever. Jordan Hicks is 26 years old, but he is going to be a free agent at the end of the season. I, w- is, I would say is going to come in and throw harder than any Blue Jay ever has uh, in the history of the franchise. He can touch 104. Uh, on, on the gun and with movement, there have been pitches this year where he gets swing and miss down in the zone. It's like a tumbling sinker at somewhere between 102 and 104. Um, he is really, really impressive uh, in in that regard. Reverse had a uh, 4.06 ERA with 86 strikeouts and 88 and two thirds for a double A New Hampshire. Uh, Kloffenstein has had some injuries and, you know, some inconsistency. I think there's some upside there. Uh, I would say the Cardinals did pretty well as, as far as it goes. Uh, Kloffenstein this year has been good. 105 strikeouts in 89 innings with a 3-2-4 ERA at double A. He struggled last year, 5-5-4 ERA across two levels, 6-0-7 at double A, but he's been impressive this year. But Maybe those guys pan out. It's the type of move that the Cardinals should be making, and it's the type of move that the Blue Jays should be making. I would have said that. Uh, I thought that they needed a um, bullpen piece regardless of the injury situation, but you know, Jordan Romano goes down with back inflammation. Clearly, it's been something that has nagged him on and off since he took himself out of the All-Star game almost three weeks ago. You hear a back injury with a pitcher, it's concerning. A back injury with any athlete is concerning, but especially one who really, um, I would say there's a lot of moving parts in his mechanical adjust- process on the mound. Uh, if he his back is not right, it's going to be tough for him. And it was really painful to watch on Friday. You could tell right away that the way he was finishing his pitches, he was bouncing some sliders in an uncharacteristic fashion and grimacing, kind of hopping off the mound. It was clear right away um, that he was not right. And he's on the shelf for at least two weeks. I don't know if this is necessarily something that we can read into and say, oh, well, they traded for Jordan Hicks, who was closing for the Cardinals because they have a bad sense of where Romano is injury wise. Maybe that's the case. A back injury, you can you can never really be certain one way or the other. We thought Jordan Romano was generally speaking fine after he was down for eight days uh, between the All-Star game and his first appearance after the break. But all it takes is, you know, you maybe you didn't sleep right or you just 
can't get loosened up and you get out there and you throw and it locks up on you. And it sounds like that is what happened. And hopefully two weeks uh, without any activity, he can get the inflammation out and be good to go. But even if he misses a little bit more time and, and, you know, comes back a little bit later in August, hopefully if that's all it is, you're still looking at a really, really deep bullpen now with Hicks and, they clearly seem to have uh, something going on with the St. Louis Cardinals. This is not the first time these teams have hooked up for a trade. Cabrera, Randall Gritchick back in the day. Uh, there are clearly some positive feelings between the two front offices. They can do business uh, with one another. And you look at the bullpen now, Hicks, Swanson, Garcia, Meza, Richards, Jackson, Cabrera, Nate Pearson's back. He'll probably go when Chad Green, who had a really good rehab outing in i believe for dunedin he struck out the side he'll move to triple a i would expect we'll see chad green within the next two weeks uh, assuming all goes according to plan that's a really deep bullpen jay jackson did a really nice job again on sunday pitching out of trouble his slider continues to be really good he was really good on the trip in los angeles Garcia gives up the home run to Renfro, but he's pitching on a third straight day Uh, he's mostly been able to manage base runners and not had um, that many really bad outings as of late. He's been mostly good. So you chalk that up, I think more to pitching three days in a row. Richards Meza Cabrera has been amazing since he's got gotten here, throwing a ton of strikes, getting a ton of swing and miss on really all of his pitches, but his slider his curveball, his fastball up in the zone is it can be a weapon when he's commanding it. It's a deep bullpen. It's a versatile bullpen, probably the best since at least 2015, which was uh, when everyone was healthy, really good and really deep. Like you look at Hicks, there are some concerns. Uh, he does walk more batters than you would like. There is certainly some downside there. It's not as if you know, this is a slam dunk. You could say that, that about any reliever. I, I wasn't necessarily expecting Gar- uh, Cabrera to come in and be amazing. But when you have good stuff and you just figure it out, your release point is good, your mechanics are all in sync, and you're executing the way that you want to. If your stuff is good, you're going to be able to get hitters out at the major league level. And Cabrera has proven in the past that he can do that. Hicks can obviously do that. You look at somebody with a career walk rate of 5.13 walks per nine innings. That's There are going to be some outings where you're going to be pulling your hair uh, because he's not in the zone enough. And he might not give up runs because his stuff is good enough that um, he can write the ship. If he gives up two hit, two walks or something, he can come back, strike out a couple, get a, a weak pop-up or something and get out of damage. This is the first year that he's really been an elite strikeout pitcher. It's interesting. He's just, he's always thrown hard. He averages 101.2 in terms of his fastball uh, velocity, but up until this year, his career high in strikeouts per nine was 9.73. This year, it's 12.74. He's getting more swing and miss. His swinging strike rate is the highest of his career. He is giving up um, you know, more barrels, but his hard contact rate is down from last year. A lot of his underlying numbers are good. It's really just the walks. Um, he doesn't get hit particularly hard. He's hard to square up. Um, and he has tons of extension with his fastball. He's got a pretty violent mechanical move to home plate like it uh, not surprisingly when you throw that hard you're gonna really be 
generating a lot of power, just really your whole body, obviously your arm, but your lower body um, as well. He's going to be a fun pitcher to watch. Uh, There's no doubt about it. And, you know, some people have been saying to me, oh, well, the Jays shouldn't be doing much. They don't feel like a team that's going to go on for to a run. They're right in the thick of a playoff push with the Astros. They're, they've been within shouting distance. We'll see how the four games go um, against the Orioles. They're within striking distance to some extent of the Rays. This isn't the type of situation where you're going to sit on your hands. You're going to make moves in areas of your roster uh, that you feel as though you need to address. And they've bolstered the bullpen with Cabrera and with Hicks. And we'll see what happens with Green coming back. Mitch White is DFA'd. Uh, That was, I think, pretty much an obvious situation when in, in Los Angeles, you couldn't trust him until there was nobody left in the bullpen. And even in mop up, you didn't feel great uh, about it. Uh, you're basically looking at a situation where without options, it's just too prohibitive to have him on the roster. So he's DFA'd. We'll see if he clears waivers. My guess is somebody considering he's 28 years old and has had success in the past. will take a chance on him, but you look at the, 58 games of major league experience, 161 innings, three and 11 with an ERA approaching five, a whip approaching 1.4. He just hasn't been good. Uh, He was really not good as a blue Jay. I get why they thought they would make the deal. Uh, I get why they also kept him around. I I was fine with it to see if, you know, a full off season would allow him to unlock what the potential is clearly, but he got hurt and then out of spring training. And then he just never really seemed to get it back on the tracks. And he was, you know, climbing up a steep hill the entire time this season. And it just never really worked out. So, you know, that's a, that's a lost trade. No question. Um, We'll see what happens with Nick Frasso, if he gets up to the major league level or not, but you gave up, uh, an intriguing arm to an organization in the Dodgers that really thrives on maximizing the potential of that type of pitcher. And you cut bait on white about a year after you traded for him. So a, a tough one there. Not all trades are going to be winners. Certainly uh, there are going to be some stinkers. There have been some stinkers that f- certainly falls in the stinker category the Cabrera trade early on looks like it's certainly not in that category. It looks like a huge win. Uh, he bailed them out in a huge way on Saturday. Bases loaded after Manoa gets removed from that game. He gets a couple of outs. They score six unanswered to win that game and, and put themselves in a position to win the series. But now that the bullpen is checked off, this team needs a right-handed bat to do damage against left-handed pitching. And I, I think that you know, George Springer's in a 0 for whatever funk, 28, 29 at bats, whatever it is. Uh, he hit a few balls hard on Sunday. It's it's rough. You can see as you're watching on television into the dugout, I would think it's getting to him. He looks pretty frustrated. And you know, this is a player who really hasn't had that many slumps in his career and I have always been a proponent. If George Springer is performing, he should be leading off because he's such a potent option atop the lineup. But Whit Merrifield's having history in the leadoff spot and having success in the leadoff spot and being arguably, I would say, uh, since the all-star break, probably the best hitter on the team, I can understand making that switch. I don't know if it's going to be a permanent one, at least for the rest of the season. Reading some of the quotes, I don't know if George Springer 
is that enamored with it. He's clearly comfortable. It's the first time in several years that he is not let off for this team. When he first came back from injury, he batted fifth for a little while, but once he was healthy, he was leading off and he's been leading off ever since, mostly uh, with good production. But you're talking about now an OPS of about 700. His OPS plus is below average. He's really fighting it. And there have been a lot of rough at bats, a lot of swing and miss at pitches that you feel as though he's done damage on. Uh, Opponents are really attacking him with breaking balls away. And he's not really laying off them consistently enough to maybe allow for more fastballs in the zone, more opportunity to punish a mistake in the zone. So Merrifield uh, leading off makes sense. But like you look at what happened on Sunday against Tyler Anderson, they did do okay against Reed Detmers. They mostly got to the bullpen, but Tyler Anderson came into Sunday start with a ERA above five, five. He pitched into the seventh inning, only gave up one run. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Doesn't have a home run off of a left-handed pitcher since June of 2022 against Bruce Zimmerman of the Orioles. I understand the, Plate appearances are skewed, but it's still enough of a sample size that you make. Like I was blown away when I saw that and looked back and they just don't have success against left-handed pitching. I I don't really know how to explain it. There's just not a lot of pop, a lot of oomph against left-handed pitching and they need to acquire a bat who can take some of the pressure, just give another quality option um, against lefties. And ideally it would be somebody who you would feel okay about against righties, but we'll see what happens. I I think Tommy Pham makes a ton of sense. If the fit works, if he's open to a different role than he's played in his career as a veteran, if he wants to win an opportunity to come in and, and try and compete and play at least three days a week, ideally, um, then I think that makes a lot of sense as a rental who's not going to cost that much. Realistically, uh, I think that makes a lot of sense, but that's got to be a priority. And I, I still think that ahead of the deadline, we'll see what happens. You know, Ryu is starting right after the deadline expires. Clearly that will allow the front office more time to maneuver the roster because they're going to need to add him to the 40 man when time comes. And my guess is a deal will be made that will clean things up on the 40 man. Like you clear out white for um, Hicks. And I think that there will be another move off of the 40 man roster that will create some space for Ryu. But I still think in the right situation, you should be looking for starting pitching. I I know that Alec Manoa was good for four innings. There were still too many, I thought, pitches in tough spots that the Angels didn't do a ton of damage on. He he navigated some trouble. His swing and miss was there. I thought his fastball command was better. He had decent movement and life on his stuff. But then there was that decision to intentionally walk Otani, and then it just kind of unraveled from there and then obviously culminated with the unfortunate hit by pitch that uh, broke a couple of bones in uh, Taylor Ward's face. And hopefully that's uh, a short-term absence for him and he makes a full recovery. But like, I just don't feel as though you should be that confident right now with Manoa. He is a five-inning guy right now. Best case scenario, I feel like. Maybe he gives you an out or two in the sixth, but he's just not efficient right now. There's very few innings under 18 to 20 pitches. And 
Kikuchi has been great uh, of late. He helped them out tremendously against the Dodgers. Barrios, without his best stuff, pitching the contact, gives them six innings of one-run ball. On Sunday, you know what you're getting from Gosman. You know what you're getting from Bassett. We'll see what Ryu has. Uh, we'll see what Manoa has moving forward. They're going to move to a six-man rotation. But it wouldn't shock me if they look at another starting pitcher. I think it's... I, I still would probably say it's more likely than not to happen than it is. I, I think they realize they have to uh, address the bullpen, which they did. And they have to address the depth in terms of the offensive production and especially against left-handed pitching, which I expect they will do. So we'll see what happens, but I still feel somewhat tenuous about the state of affairs uh, in the bottom part of, of the rotation. Time will tell. Hopefully uh, I'm just being a worry wart as has been the case many times, but I'm uneasy about the state of of things with a couple of those guys right now uh, in the rotation. So let's talk about the weekend, the week that was. It's hard to be upset taking back-to-back series after you had lost back-to-back series. So you're just kind of on and off with losing, winning, losing, winning. You know, they're in a decent spot. They've got a really big week in the AL East. Uh, hello, old friend, 7-20. and 20, We know what that means. They've got four against the Orioles. They've got three against the Red Sox. We'll see what the club looks like come Tuesday, Wednesday, when the deadline passes. But taking two out of three, they should have swept the Dodgers. You know, they blew a four-run lead. I think for the first time in more than a decade, blowing a four-run lead um, in the ninth inning. I, you know, that, that shit happens sometimes, obviously not ideal, not what you want, but they bounce back nicely on uh Wednesday to take two out of three from the Dodgers. And you look at the series against the angels, the angels were horrible with runners in scoring position all weekend. They won on Sunday, despite leaving 12 on base and going one for 11. They were terrible. They were, they had so many opportunities in all three games to break a game open and didn't and allowed the Blue Jays to hang around enough to do enough, to score enough to win the first two games of that series. And the same script was almost playing out on Sunday, but the Blue Jays went two for 60 and with runners in scoring position left 12 on base. And uh, it's sort of par for the course that we know the struggles are what they are. It's been really rough in a lot of situations. You know, some of the machinations there at the end, I understand why they pinch ran for Vladdy because they wanted Kiermaier speed in. I'd rather Vladdy run and Brandon Belt hit instead of Kevin Biggio hitting. Maybe they thought his, the way he swings and Carlos Estevez and AKA Charlie Sheen's stuff and the way that he throws was a match. But I understand Brandon Belt has struggled against velocity all season pretty much. And Estevez can touch a hundred. I'm still more confident in Brandon Belt's ability to maybe even work a walk, especially since Estevez didn't have amazing command or perhaps run into one than I am Kevin Biggio. And, you know, so let's say you hit one on the ground and Vladdy doesn't score. It's not ideal, but I, I still think on, in the right situation, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. can score from second on a base hit. Um, and I, I just would rather have Belt. So, I didn't love that decision. If Springer got hosed on a borderline at best call that really, I think, changed the complexion of that inning. He had fouled a couple of pitches off. It's a full count. Maybe the runners are going. Probably not, but it's just a whole different situation. A 3-2 count, walk loads the bases. 
who knows what happens from there. It is what it is with the umpires. They're going to miss uh, a ton of calls. And uh, I'm not like that up in arms over it. The bottom line is the Jays didn't produce enough in big spots, two for 16 with runners in scoring position. It is what it is. So yeah, they're in a decent spot heading into the week. They just bottom line have to take care of business now against the division. You're not going to make the playoffs if you continue playing, um, you know, whatever under like about 300 winning percentage baseball against teams in your division who are all teams that are either above or just behind you in the standings. If that continues to any degree, it's going to be the reason that this team doesn't make the playoffs. So it starts tomorrow, Monday against Baltimore with Kyle Gibson on the mound, not somebody you should be particularly intimidated by, but the Orioles have played them tough in the past last year. And then obviously we know uh, they've taken their lunch money this year and dropped uh, one, all but one game. So a big week for sure for the blue Jays. Uh, I did want to talk about the match happen. John Schneider stuff from Friday. Uh, like kudos to Apple TV for showing that. You never know with that sort of thing, but they got every bit of it. And like I, I wasn't saying that I I knew that the Jays were going to pitch around Otani, especially coming off of that insanity that he had against Detroit with the complete game, the one hit shutout, and then the two home runs in the second game of the doubleheader. And you just look at the rest of the Angels lineup without Michael Trout. They have scored a lot of runs this year, but it's still not a lineup that you're particularly intimidated by Mickey Moniak, Mike Moustakis, uh, Matt Tice, Hunter Renfro had three hits on Sunday, but they're just, I'd always take my chances with hitters who have at best like a 750, 770 OPS and a lot of guys with sub 700 than pitching to Shohei Otani. And um, in the first inning with nobody on base, I'm not throwing up four fingers. I'm not throwing a middle, middle fastball on the first pitch and get me over fastball. I understand that, um, you know, you're not sure if he's necessarily going to swing at that, but it just seemed like a mistake to really give him anything hittable uh, at all, especially on the first pitch, try and throw him in a, a splitter in that case. If you're Gosman, it was just a, a puzzler. Chapman was in the wrong. If you want to express your frustrations, by all means do it. I wouldn't be doing it in the dugout where people can see it. And then it takes on a whole life of its own. And it did. I tweeted about it. Lots of people were tweeting about it. Lots of people were curious about it. If they didn't see it, it was the topic of conversation on all the highlight shows afterwards. It was a topic of conversation in the post-game availabilities. Both Chapman and Schneider were asked about it. Chapman basically acknowledged that he shouldn't have done it and he runs hot and it doesn't come from a bad place, which I didn't think that it did, but it's still not the greatest look that like, let's call it, it what it is. You're kind of showing up your manager uh, a little bit, even if it's with a, with good intention and there's no malice and you don't think ill of, of your manager, you're putting him on blast in front of cameras is, is not a great look and it, it kind of undermines uh, the authority of the manager a little bit. So if you want to s- s- speak your mind and, and say your piece, go for it. You know, maybe just walk down the tunnel or something like that, or, or do it in a, in a more inconspicuous fashion instead of audibly being caught saying that Otani was the only guy on this fucking team who could hit or the only guy on the, yeah, whatever it was, there was an F bomb. Um, I understand the intention behind it, but the execution wasn't great. So I, I would more side on the, 
side of um it wasn't great i i'm all for passion it was a great viral moment but i don't love the optics of something like that uh, at all and kudos to chapman for sort of you know owning up to what uh what he did and i you know what i i want to i do want to talk really about henesis cabrera Yenesis cabrera I, i'm still not 100 percent sure what the pronunciation there is but he's already lowered his era by like a run in in the first four outings as a blue jay i think it was 506 as a cardinal yeah and he's gone four scoreless or four scoreless outings five innings one of one hit shutout with five strikeouts and most importantly no walks and he's had a few three ball counts but he's stayed competitive there haven't really been that many horribly non-competitive pitches every at bat has been competitive and he's consistently been um, around the strike zone so it's hard not to be super encouraged by what you've seen from him it's really nice to have another lefty. I know that Mays has been nails against lefties all year. He took care of Otani again in, in a relatively important spot. Richards has really good reverse splits. He had an insane outing on Saturday where he struck out four batters in an important stage of the game. It just further illustrates, like I'm talking about, the depth that exists on, on this bullpen. And, you know, I said last week I was more likely to just bet against Cabrera being great but it was still worth taking a shot on an arm like that and DFA and Trent Thornton, who, you know, what you're getting is a established commodity as a below average major league reliever. And Cabrera has history in the past of being an above average major league reliever. And the stuff is, is above average. The command has been woefully below average, but if he can at least be average in terms of commanding his stuff, he's going to be good because the stuff is good enough that, you know, even if you're a little bit lackluster uh, in terms of just commanding, working ahead in counts, as long as your stuff is decent enough around the zone and that slider has got that late break and that bite, you're going to still be able to get swings and misses against opponents, especially against lefties. You see lefties up there against him and it's a wonder that anyone ever really hits him and and you look at the numbers against lefties they're hitting 188 against him this season and i think he's given up one home run um against lefties maybe you know he's given up zero home runs he has like that's his bread and butter i understand that the way that bullpens are now it's harder to just deploy a pure lefty specialist but I don't feel badly about him against righties because so far he's been able to get in on right-handers like that fastball right in on the hands and the slider with that late break down and in kind of at the back foot and a decent curveball as well. And this speaks to a, a good, the Jays, I think under this front office has have done a relatively decent job of identifying these types of relief arms who can come in and, you know, maybe haven't performed up to their talent level or their pedigree or their repertoire, but there's enough there that you feel as though maybe it's just a change of scenery or a slight mechanical tweak here or there that can get you consistently in the strike zone and putting up uh, high-end results. And they've done a pretty good job uh, in, in this front office's tenure. That's not to say that there have been 
some shortcomings. We've talked at length ad nauseum about the prospect situation and graduating guys to the major league level and having guys in AAA who you feel as though can come up. And there are some, I, I'm really fascinated by Davis Schneider. I don't know if he's going to be up here this year, if he's going to be a trade chip, but he's got almost a 1000 OPS at AAA. He's got legit power. He's got a, a legit eye. Maybe there's too much swing and miss. Maybe that gets exposed a little bit more against major league pitching, but that's an interesting prospect story in terms of development that maybe can uh, help you at the major league level, but they need to certainly do a better job at that, but they have, you got to give them their flowers. You got to give them their, their due in terms of for the most part, figuring out how to build a bullpen sort of on the fly with a mixture of some of your own talent, free agents, trades, but reclamation project type trades where you look at it at first and you're like, yeah, I don't know about this. And then there's just something that seems to click and they get enough juice out of the orange. They squeeze enough out of there to give you enough productivity. Uh, so so kudos to them for that. I, I've been impressed by and large with the job that they've done and, and certainly impressed by the job that uh, Cabrera has done so far. So the big news to recap, Jordan Hicks, now Blue Jay. We'll see. I would bet on him closing in short order, maybe right away, maybe not in his first outing as a Blue Jay, or maybe it's still a closer by committee by matchup. But he has experience in the ninth inning, whereas so does Garcia. Swanson doesn't have as much in, in that regard. And I, I like him in the eighth inning. I, I just feel as though that's been his best role all season long. And there's a whole different animal in terms of getting those final three outs in the ninth inning that I don't want to rock the boat too much because I feel as though that come playoff time, assuming your bullpen is whole, he is a seventh or eighth inning guy, or it depends where you are in the lineup. Maybe you need to put out a fire in the fifth or the sixth. We saw him do that beautifully on Friday with the bases loaded. Nobody out does an amazing job really bounces back after blowing a four run lead. But I would expect if Romano is sidelined for the next two, three weeks, whatever it is uh, that Hicks will probably be getting a decent number of save opportunities because that's what he's done. Three, six, seven ERA, a three Oh two FIP, which is good. 12.74 strikeouts per nine walks are an issue 5.18, but he's never really been a big home run guy. 0.45 and his batting average on balls in play this year is three sixty six, which is almost a hundred points higher than his career norm. So there's been some, unfortunate luck in his profile as well. So good for the Blue Jays to take a swing, uh, give up a top 10 prospect, another decent arm, but you know, this is the time. You're, the next couple of years, the idea is to continue replenishing the system so you can ideally graduate and trade, trade, graduate some, trade others, and just keep the pipeline flowing like the teams like the Dodgers do, the Astros to some extent, obviously the Rays. That's what you're looking to do. The Orioles, I think, are in that window now where they're going to be looking to do that to some extent. And that's what the Jays have to find a way to do more of. But they needed uh, another bullpen arm, somebody who can put out fires in that bullpen with or without Romano, whatever the injury status is there moving forward. And they accomplished that with Jordan Hicks. So a good move. I don't expect it to be the only move that the Blue Jays make at the deadline. Uh, we'll see what happens, obviously, Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern. But we will be back next week to break it all down. Uh, nothing like beats trade season, right? You got all the notifications on Twitter from all your favorite insiders. You're always hoping that you see sources, Blue Jays acquire blank. 
We got that with Jordan Hicks, and we'll see what happens here uh, over the next day or two ahead of the deadline. As always, appreciate the uh, feedback, the interaction. Thanks for downloading the podcast. At DFA underscore pod is where you can find it. At Jay Goldberg 12 is where you can find me. And as always, rate, review, like, comment, subscribe, designate for assignment, wherever you get your podcast. Thanks, as always, for listening. I'm Josh Goldberg, and we will talk to you next week. As always, I'm designated for assignment.